Well, for our time this morning, let us return to Jonah, to that portion of Scripture that we read. We're coming towards the end of our study of this book of Jonah. I'm sure all the pertinent facts about Jonah are well known to us, and therefore I'm not going to rehearse them before you again. The title I want to give to the meditation this morning is Jonah's Anger. Jonah's Anger. And we're really going to look at chapter 4. Chapter 4 really would be regarded as our text, and we're going to study it under the title of Jonah's Anger. We did read verse 10 of chapter 3. God saw their works, that they turned from their evil way, and God repented of the evil that he had said that he would do unto them, and he did it not. Now, whatever we're meant to draw from that verse, surely we're meant to realize that after the preaching of Jonah, the people responded positively to the message that Jonah had delivered. And in some sense, for us human beings to understand a thrice holy God, in human terms, God was pleased. Now, God is a God who is eternally blessed and happy. And God can never be sad, and he can never be happier than he is. That's the God of the Bible, a God that is incomprehensible unto us. But when he conveys his word to us in his word, he is speaking to us in human terms in order to help us understand. He is, if you like, talking in a babish manner, as parents will do when they speak to their children about things. They will seek to bring it down in order that the children would understand what the parent wants to say to them. Well, this is what we find in the Word of God. God is condescending down to our limitations, and he is speaking, and he's telling us that Jonah came with a very blunt and uncompromising message, and the Ninevites believed it. And their behavior caused God not to change his mind, but to change his action. He wasn't going to do what he threatened. Why is that? God cannot change. Well, he didn't change. The message that he gave through Jonah was to a wicked Nineveh. It was to a, a violence-laden, wicked, idolatrous, sinful people. But they had changed. Through the preaching of Jonah, they had changed. And therefore, the message that Jonah delivered was to a wicked Nineveh. And God was going to punish a wicked Nineveh. But God never, ever said he would punish a repentant Nineveh. Do you see? It wasn't God that changed. It was Nineveh that changed. And we are meant to derive from this that their action, their behavior, in some sense, pleased the Lord. But here in verse 4, in chapter 4, we have here Jonah's anger. 
but it displeased Jonah exceedingly, and he was very angry. Jonah, we would have thought, would have been extremely happy. He was a prophet of the Lord. That itself is an honor and a privilege that very few get. And he went forth, and he, after his reluctance, he went forth and he preached the message that God had given to him. And his message met, we might say, with universal acceptance from the king on the throne to his nobles and to his lords and to the servants in the field and even to the animals, there was repenting and there was fasting. This is something that a prophet would only dream about. And in modern day terms, this is something that every preacher should pray for, but very rarely does he find it actually happening amongst his hearers. Jonah should have been overwhelmed. Jonah should have been on cloud nine. He had gone forth. They had listened to his word, and they had responded appropriately. But he wasn't. Now, we might ask ourselves, why not? Well, there are some reasons why he was not too happy. Remember, he was a Jew. Remember, he went on his uh, prophetic ministry with uh, some Jewish baggage that he took with him. He believed that the Spirit of God, the Spirit of prophecy, was to be confined to uh, Israel. And he didn't think that God spoke to the heathen. And also the Ninevites were great enemies of Israel. And Jonah would be very happy to go and preach and to tell them that they were going to be destroyed because that would be Israel's enemies being destroyed by God, something that Jonah would readily love to see to happen. And also, how could he possibly go back to Israel, to his home town and city, when he had gone there as a, as a prophet to Nineveh to preach their collapse and to preach their ruin? We notice that when he first began, the message that God had given to Jonah was, cry against it. You were to cry against Nineveh. We find that in chapter 1, verse 2. We noticed last week in chapter 3 when Jonah was reinstated to go back and preach to Nineveh, preach unto it the preaching that I bid thee, the Lord said. And the message was quite clear and uncompromising. Yet forty days and Nineveh shall be overthrown. That was the message. Now Jonah, in some sense, would be perfectly happy to preach that message if they would be overthrown. And imagine going back to his home country, to the Jews, where he had proclaimed this message, and they were overthrown. He would be looked upon as a hero. But instead, when he would go back home, and when they would hear 
Nineveh has repented. What? Nineveh repented? That evil, wicked people, that violent people, that people who harass the Jews? What? God has spared them because of your preaching? Away with you! They didn't want that. Jonah didn't want it. And that's why he was angry. Friends, are you angry? I'm particularly talking here to believers. Jonah was a believer. Let's be clear. He was a believer. He was a child of God. Jonah's in glory, but he was angry. He was angry with God. And it's very possible, friends, for the people of God to be angry, to be angry Christians. Well, surely that cannot be the case. But maybe it is. Maybe that's one of your problems you have. You're angry. You're angry the way that God has dealt with you. You have seen maybe God bless other families, for instance. Here you are. You're a, you're a long-time professing Christian. You seek to serve the Lord. You're diligent in the means of grace. You've got family. Where are they? They're estranged. They're separated from the things of God. They live in the world. They don't care about the God that you serve and worship and the way that you have brought them up. And maybe you've seen others being brought into the church, others brought into the kingdom of the Lord Jesus Christ, those who had no Christian background whatsoever. And what happens? They have been brought into the church. Their sins are forgiven. And your family are still outside the kingdom of God. And you're angry with God. And there may be other reasons why you're angry with God. Maybe you've got a hard providence. There's difficult things in your life. And others don't seem to have that problem. And maybe they're not even Christians. And they don't have the problems that you have. And maybe you're angry with God. We're not talking here, friends, about things that cannot happen. Here is Jonah. Here is a man of God. Here is Jonah, a prophet, one who has the ear of God, who hears the word of God, yet he's angry with his God. What's the solution? Well, the solution, friends, is to be submissive. The solution is to realize, as Jonah did, he did in an academic sense. He did as far as his understanding was concerned. He recognized God's sovereignty. But to put that into practical application, he didn't. He didn't. And he knew that God was merciful and slow to anger and of great kindness. He knew all these things. If you were to examine him upon these things, he would pass with flying colors. He would be able to write an essay about the graciousness of God, about how he is long-suffering, how he is patient, how he is kind, how he is loving, how he is forgiving. He would be able to write these things. No problem. But in his experience... He was angry. Oh, friends, let us not be angry. Let us not be angry with God. God is good. 
And God can only be good. And we are not to be angry. Oh, we need to repent of this. And Jonah had to repent of this. Well, we're going to look at three things. And I think you'll all agree that in this book here, Jonah does not come across very well. But when we go to look at characters in the Bible, we always seek to be charitable. Many people will scold him. And maybe there's a place for that. But we always seek to be charitable. And we are charitable in this sense. What we find here revealed for us in the Word of God has been inspired by the Spirit of God, but it was written by Jonah himself. If you like, Jonah is opening up his heart and exposing all that's wrong within him for us all to see. He's not covering this up. We live in times when people want to cover up their past and all that they've done. Not so with Jonah. And this would remind us again that when we come to the Bible, we are dealing with God's Word. God's Word. God's book. Man, yes, man physically wrote the words. There's no doubt about it. But it was all inspired by God. If it was left to man, this would never be in this book. Never be in it. We would, we would have finished maybe at the end of chapter 3, verse 10. That would be the end of the book. And everybody would be patting the back of Jonah, a great man. Here he was. Yes, he made a mistake, but he was, it was rectified. And look at the wonderful success he had. But Jonah goes on. And he gives us this chapter here where he is revealing his inner life and his anger with God. He goes out into the country. He's not pleased that, that Nineveh repented, that Nineveh, in a very real sense, was reconciled to God. Oh, friends, I hope that we see something here. Do we not see how, how in some occasions he was like the Lord Jesus Christ? He was a, a type of Christ. But on this occasion here, he is so different from the Lord Jesus Christ. We went through the book of Luke, and we came across Luke chapter 19. And we come across that verse 41, when Jesus was coming to Jerusalem for the last time, how did he look upon that city? How did Jesus approach the city of Jerusalem? And when he was come near, he beheld the city and wept over it. Here was Jerusalem that was about to cry, crucify him, crucify him. We will not have this man to reign over us. We don't want the Lord Jesus Christ. Caesar is our king, not him, but Jesus. What did he do when he saw Jerusalem and when he knew what was going to happen, when all the scribes and the Pharisees would reject him and he would be crucified in Calvary's tree? What did he do? Was he in a sulk? Was he angry with God? No, 
No, friends. He beheld the city and wept over it. Totally different from Jonah. As we've just sung, totally different from the psalmist also. The psalmist, rivers of water from mine eyes did run down when I saw how wicked men run on in sin and do not keep thy law. Oh, friends, do we know anything of this? Here we are, Christians. Christians, your sins have been forgiven. You have a title to eternal life. Your eternal destiny is secure because of what Jesus Christ has done. Have you any care or concern for those who are perishing? When was the last time you cried? Did you ever cry? What's wrong with us? What's wrong? I'll tell you what's wrong. We don't recognize our sin. We don't recognize the great gift that God has given to us. We don't recognize our privileges. We don't recognize that we belong to the kingdom of God, an eternal kingdom. And we don't really realize that those who are outside of Christ, what about them? They're on that broad road that leads where to? Where to, friends? Destruction. Oh, they might have everything this world can give them. Everything. But what about their end? Oh, what about their end? And maybe there are some here. God forbid, but maybe that's the case. There are some here, and they have everything. But they have nothing. They are paupers. Poor, blind, naked rapidly heading towards destruction they're about to fall into the pit and where's the tears where's the tears of the minister do we not all of us have hearts that are as hard as granite oh this is a crime friends this is a sin it's so unlike the people in the bible jeremiah he was a wonderful prophet maybe we'll need to study him one day god willing we'll do it a wonderful major prophet, Jeremiah, Oh, that my head were waters, and mine eyes a fountain of tears, that I might gloat over them. No, that I might weep day and night for the slain of the daughter of my people. In Jeremiah's day, he was prophesying that Nebuchadnezzar was going to come and destroy Jerusalem and take the people away captive. And he saw this. And he was hated and rejected. And the false prophet said, Oh, this is not going to happen. Peace and safety. That's what's going to happen. Nothing to worry about. Jeremiah, because the Spirit of God was upon him. He was a prophet of the Lord. And the Lord was telling him that judgment was going to come upon them. And he saw it. He saw the devastation. Did he gloat? No. Oh, that my head were waters. So different from Paul as well. So different. Paul, when he went to Athens, what did he see and hear? Well, he saw idolatry. It was oozing out of Athens. There were shrines and temples all around, and the philosophers were there with all their wisdom. 
But friends, it was wisdom without God. Wisdom without hope. While Paul waited for them at Athens, his spirit was stirred in him when he saw the city wholly given to idolatry. Is that not what we face today in our cities? Glasgow, the once flourished under the preaching of the gospel, we're awash with idolatry, we're awash with Sabbath breaking, we're awash with the de desecration of God's word. It's all around us. We're submerged in false religion. Are we not stirred? Is there nothing in us? Surely, friends, this must be what should be in us. This was something that was lacking in Jonah. He was angry. But he had no compassion. No compassion. This is what this chapter is about. It's a great contrast between Jonah's anger and the compassion of God. And this is something that Christians need to learn and relearn and remember. Our God is glorious. Our God is eternal. Our God is powerful. Our God could turn the world upside down in a moment. Our God could thrust us all into a lost eternity in a moment, and he would be justified. But our God is gracious. Our God is sympathetic. Our God is one who delights in the salvation of sinners. When we went through the book of Luke, we came to that point where it said that there is rejoicing in the presence of the angels over one sinner that repenteth. It doesn't say the angels rejoiced. It just says there is rejoicing in the presence of the angels. We could debate who it is that is actually rejoicing. It may well be the angels. Who can tell? But it may well be the triune God who is rejoicing. But Jonah went forth boldly by himself, and he's to be commended for that. What a task he had to go to this great city who would think nothing of chopping his head off and telling him to shut up and go back to Israel and preach there to them. Don't come here with your wrath. He went. And therefore, when the people repented, there was, there was rejoicing in the presence of the angels. But Jonah was full of anger. Well, briefly then, very briefly, one or two things to see about these things. First, notice, God listened to Jonah. God listened to him. Verses 1 to 4, I'm not going to reread them, but there we find God listens to him. 
He prays to God about his behavior. Jonah is a changed man. There's, there's no doubt he's different. Because once, when he disobeyed God, he ran away from God, and he didn't pray. We noticed that in the first chapter, when the captain of the ship told him to call upon his God. Jonah didn't. But here, he does. He's now a changed individual, and he brings his anger to God. He unfolds what's in his heart. He's open. He's exposed himself to God. Yes, God knew it anyway, but he articulates his feelings before God. That's a wonderful position to be in, Christian. God knows exactly what's on your heart. And you can't hide from him. But he does want to hear it from yourself. He wants you to express it in your own words. He wants you to articulate these things. Come to God. You might say, well, minister, I've got a hard heart and I am angry. Well, don't tell me. Tell the living God because he can change you. I cannot. Now, what's good for the Christian is good for the for the non-Christian, for the unbeliever. Here, what about the unbeliever? He must come to the Lord Jesus Christ. But he says, I cannot come. Well, go to the Lord with that prayer. Tell him, I can't come. Oh, Lord, draw me then. We are told in the gospel, what are we told? Repent and believe the gospel. The unbeliever says, I cannot repent. And how true that is. Oh, that people would realize this. You cannot repent left unto yourself. Tell this to God. God, grant me repentance. Jesus has won and purchased repentance for his people. Jesus gives repentance. Go to him. What are we to do in the gospel? Repent and believe the gospel. I cannot believe the gospel in of myself. I cannot do it. I cannot believe that the Son of God went to Calvary's tree there and God suffered, caused him to suffer and die in my room and in my place. I cannot believe it. Go to God. Tell him. Open up your heart. Tell him. This is what happened here. Someone has said, he prayed his best prayer in the worst place. Where was that? In the fish's belly. He was down. And there he opened up his heart and prayed. And God heard him. And he prayed his worst prayer in the best place. Where was that? That was in Nineveh. God had done wonderful things following the preaching of Jonah. And what do we find? Jonah offering up his worst prayer ever. What a contrast. Friends, let us therefore be honest, open, sincere, pray, let, let God hear what's in our hearts. The unbeliever says, the cross, the taking up of the cross, 
the price to pay is too great. You're right, it is too great. You need the help of the Holy Spirit. You cannot do this yourself. You'll never stand up against self, against the world, and against the devil by your own power. No, you can't. But the gospel comes with power, friends. This is what we forget. This is what we fail to stress. The gospel is the power of God unto salvation. It's God's power. It's God that saves. Salvation is of the Lord. And too many people are looking to their own arm of flesh instead of relying upon him who has an omnipotent arm. Someone also said his first prayer, that one in in the fish's belly, it came from a broken heart. A broken heart. The prayer that we notice here in in chapter 4, it came from an angry heart. An angry heart. But you notice, friends, God heard them both. Oh, he prefers the the prayer from the broken heart. That is true. That is true. But he also heard the prayer from the angry heart. God looks for prayer, and he found it in Jonah. In his first prayer, he asked God to save him. In his second prayer, he asked God to take his life. Come then, come and call upon God. And if we're unbelieving, cry unto God that he would make us believing. And if we're like Jonah, if we're angry, come, tell him to take away our anger. Oh, that we might be more like Christ, more like the God that we seek to serve, who is gracious, merciful, slow to anger, and of great kindness, and repentest thee of the evil. Do you know, friends, do you know this, that judgment is God's strange work? Now, we might dwell too much upon judgment. It certainly has an important role, and none of us are going to deny it, that's for sure. But... The Bible presents judgment, God's judgment, as a strange work. And by that, we're meant to realize it's something that God does not like doing. He's a God of mercy. Well, second notice, God comforted Jonah. For the second time, that's from verses 5 to 8, for the second time in this book, Jonah abandoned his place of work. He was initially told to go to Nineveh. Instead, he went to Tarshish, opposite direction. Now he he was in Nineveh. He had preached, and now he had left it. He'd gone out of the city. 
He should have been in the city. He should have watched what was going on. He should have been able to tell the people more and more about the great God of heaven. He had delivered his message, but had he not got other things that he could say to the people to encourage them? They had begun to follow the God, great God of heaven. Was there not a great need for someone to direct them and to help them and to grow up in their salvation? But here he abandons his post again. What a tragedy it is when God's servants are a means of blessing to others but miss the blessing themselves. Jonah didn't see this. He was away. He was absent. And God attended to his needs, provided shelter from, for him from the very hot sunshine. And God was reminding him that without God, Jonah was lost and perishing. And therefore, God undertook to help him and provide for him at this time. And notice finally, thirdly, <coughs> God instructed Jonah, verses 9 to 11. All the time through this book, what do we find? God is, yes, he's got a mission for Jonah. He wants Jonah to go and to preach this message to the Ninevites that they might repent. But also, if you like, there's another purpose. God is working upon his servant. God is teaching his servant. And all the, his experiences that he went through, from being thrown overboard, to be rescued, to be recommissioned, to go forth and to preach and to have success, and then for Jonah to reveal he was angry about this, all of this was God seeking to instruct Jonah that Jonah who knew the one true and the living God, might have a better, more full-orbed understanding of God. And that he might understand and appreciate that the God of Israel was a compassionate God. And the God of Israel would want the repentance of the Ninevites and the Babylonians and the Assyrians and all of Israel's enemies, he would want, in a very real sense, them to repent. That's the compassion. That's our God, and nothing's changed. Nothing whatsoever. So, friends, let us seek to know this. And that's why we preach the gospel. That's why we tell people about the Lord Jesus Christ. That's why we make it clear and plain that all of us, God would have us to repent. God would have us to believe. God would have us to come to Jesus Christ and to call upon him and to know this great God, who is merciful, compassionate, slow to anger, willing to save. Will you therefore come? 
Jonah was full of anger, but God was full of compassion. Amen.